Welcome to the podcast. My name is Robert Berger, joined by our hosts, Lee Griffin and Scott Boris, to discuss Class Delta Airspace. Uh, Scott, what is your uh, mnemonic uh, word for the day for Delta? Get that, uh, well, knock I would, that out at the beginning. I would say don't unless you have to. I think like D is like, you know, you don't don't bother going there unless you have to, because then you got to talk to controllers and stuff like that. You could, it's just it, it's doable, though, isn't it? It's, it's it is doable. Ooh, yes, doable. I didn't doable. That one. That's good. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Well, I, I thought like you were going to go with depressing, but that's for another um, conversation. Well, <laughs> well, I was thinking, I was thinking, don't unless you have to, but but yes, doable also fits in there too, because it it's not quite as scary as class C and definitely not as clary, scary as class B. Yeah. So that's, it's a good start. You it also depends actually, on where you're at too, though. Like if you, you know, if you're going into a, like a class D that's not very busy, it's pretty easy. If you're going into a class D that's quite busy, then you're probably going to want to use the don't. Good. <laughs> good advice. Yeah. There's a tier system within the yeah. class Delta. Yeah. Like, well, we're from Ohio, but like Mansfield is doable. But like if you were going into like some of those ones that are like really clustered in with a bunch of like class B and class C airports, I'm gonna go with the don't. You get the C one thirties at Mansfield though. Those are That's true. When those are flying it's probably Ocean don't. Wake turbulence. You gotta make sure you're in like a C one fifty to you know right. counteract that. Yeah. I went, I went down That's, there once. I went down there once and uh, it was really windy. It's extremely windy. Like 17 knots for, you know, for 150, that's pretty windy. And they put, they were putting the C-130s on the runway into the wind and they put me on the runway that was a straight crosswind. It's like the only time I ever like could not stay on the run, like you know, I but luckily it's a wide runway, but like I was like blown off to the side of the runway. Yeah, Lee, what should I have done in that situation? Should I have requested to use the other runway? Well, then that's a whole nother set of issues, though, with the wake turbulence with them, which I mean, they would have given you the separation, well, they have to yeah, yeah, they give you the separation, yeah, yeah, but it would just taken you a lot longer. And you're such a cheap ass, they probably you probably wouldn't have wanted to wait that long oh, and burn that gas. Yeah, that's true. That's, just was, land on the upwind side well, of the runway and let it blow you slowly downwind. Yeah, and yeah, luckily it's a pretty, it's, you know, it's a pretty wide runway. So I just yeah, kind of started on feet one wide. side. Yeah. By the time I actually got it down and straightened out, I was I was pretty close to the other side of the runway, but it worked. Yeah, I have. I would have every bit of faith in you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll jump into it. Generally, Class Delta airspace extends upward from the surface to 2,500 feet above the airport elevation, charted MSL, surrounding those airports that have an operational control tower. The configuration of each Class Delta airspace area is individually tailored, and when instrument procedures are published, the airspace will normally be designated to contain the procedures. So this is the only one that we've done so far, other than Class A airspace, obviously, that does not have a shelf. They typically do not have shelves, do they, Lee? Do, no. I, I don't know of any that has a shelf. It's all one cylinder, isn't it? It's all just one For cylinder. These. So it's yeah, single. Someone would say a single cylinder. Single cylinder. Got it. 
Uh, Class Delta surface areas may be designated as full-time 24-hour tower operations or part-time Class Delta. Effective times are published in the Chart Supplement USA. Um, They're almost all part-time. Yeah. Is Burke Lakefront part-time? Really? So that Mm -hmm. reverts to a Class E at night? I haven't... Yeah, I haven't seen one that isn't. I have not seen one ever that isn't. I'm sure they're out there, but I haven't okay. seen one. Hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. So yeah. So I guess you can go into them when they're off. But then it's class E, and we'll, we need to save that for... Well, E stands for E. Right. Ooh, I'll so have to edit that out just as a teaser. Oh, I'll save that for the next episode. <laughs> That for uh, yeah. I can I can just it'll just be a blank spot. Yeah, just right there. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Where Class D surface area is part time, the airspace may revert to either a Class E surface area, C paragraph whatever, or Class G airspace. When a part time Class D surface area changes to Class G, the surface area becomes Class G airspace up to, but not including the overlying controlled airspace. So this would be which we'll get into in later episodes on E and G. Um, if, if that, um, the cylinder, that, that single cylinder of the class, D airspace changes and reverts to the tower turns off as Scott puts it. Um, if where, where class E cuts off between G, if that happens inside that cylinder, it could turn into two different airspaces potentially. Correct. Well, it's, it's going to terminate at the overlying controlled airspace. Okay, I guess I guess I don't I guess I don't understand your your because uh... there's there's some instances where you can have like class G on the surface up to like seven hundred, and then it's class E, or my yeah yes no so you're then, right you're right some of it would turn that'd be a shaded magenta on yeah, a so sectional that, so would the class the class E go to the surface then inside the class D I believe it. If the class D I believe was it, I believe it just said off. class G airspace up to, but not including the overlying controlled airspace. Oh, really? So then it would be oh, class okay. G on the surface. And then at yeah. some, some of them turn at 700, some of them turn at 1200 I've seen into class E then, which we'll get into in later episodes. We'd have to know, it, it'd be a specific airspace so we know which one changes the class G. Why would it change the class G? Why would it go from D to G. You know, that's, that's skipping. It's busy enough during the day to be class D and need his control tower. And now all of a sudden, after 11 p.m., it's going to go to uncontrolled. And not only is it uncontrolled, we're going to allow, allow people to fly in here at one mile clear of clouds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're just transitioning from super busy during the day to dead, so quiet at night that it doesn't even need to be controlled airspace anymore. That's probably a very rare thing. That might be like an Alaska thing, maybe. It maybe just, it, it says it. It breaks it down. It just here doesn't, on the reg, doesn't make know? sense, though. Well, yeah, but it, well, that's not a reg, and it doesn't. It doesn't really it breaks make it sense down here in the aim, the book of suggestions, right? In three two five part two of a, I guess definition. Well, yeah, if somebody has specific examples on a D that becomes G, let us know. I can't think of one. We got a lot of class deltas in Ohio, yeah. and I don't know of any that revert to a class G when the tower is okay. closed. 
And there's a note. It says the first note is the airport listing in the chart supplement USA. That's it's just weird. They say chart supplement USA. That's just what do they keep? What do they put you or US? I should say chart supplement US. Mm-hmm. Is that a new term since we were learning how to fly? I don't know. I never read the aim when I was learning how to fly. The airport. <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of suggestions. <laughs> the airport <laughs> listing in the chart supplement US will state. The part-time surface area status, for example, other times class E or other times class G. I assume there has to somewhere be class G. It says that. Well, no, I understand that. I just don't know what they are. And we need somebody who I think operates in that airspace to weigh in and be like, yeah, this is how it works. Yeah. Email don't you think? F-A-R-A-M at LeeGriffin.com. Number Please. Note two. Normally, the overlying controlled airspace is the Class E transition area airspace that begins at either 700 feet AGL, charted as a magenta vignette. It's like they knew what we were talking about before. Or 1,200 feet AGL, charted as blue vignette. This may be determined by consulting the applicable VFR sectional or terminal area chart. Uh, it's vignette. Right? I pronounced that right? I think Vinay. Vinay? I don't know. I've never heard of Vinay. I have no idea. I don't, I don't no even idea. know what. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Vinay. It, so, it sounds French. Probably. <laughs> sounds like they should probably just use an American word for that. Yeah, it's, 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 I'm gonna. I'm gonna. US, is somebody looking US it up? Regs, uh, operating rules, and pilot equipment requirements. Uh, pilot certification. No specific certification required. Uh, unlike A or B. Uh, two is equipment, which is basically two a radio. Is all you need. Just like uh, Class C. Uh, three is arrival or through flight entry requirements. These are basically identical to Class C, right? This is. I'm rereading this. Um. I don't, I don't notice any differences between C, which is basically you have to establish two-way radio communications with the tower and those odd... No, same before entering. Yeah. Before you... Yeah, don't slur your speech when you're doing your initial call-up. What what Scott say? What do you mean? I said before, before entering, you have oh. to... Oh, I thought you said before you drink. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what it's... Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, you have to you have to land the aircraft before you start no. drinking. Right? It, technically, it, technically no, no, no. Before you finish you your six pack, you have to maintain. Or no, you have to you have to establish two way radio communications before you crack your beer. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Right. Yeah, is that what it is. Yeah. Okay, no, that's not what I said. Right. I said. Anyway, what I was saying is, you just have to establish two way radio communication to enter the airspace. Yeah. Correct? Basically, even if they say stand by, but they say your tail number. If they say your tail number, acknowledge they're yeah. talking to you, it's okay to enter as long as they didn't yeah. explicitly tell you not to enter is the gist of that. Yeah. So for somebody that doesn't know how the proper procedure for entering class D airspace, let's say you're Lee, let's say you're flying into a class Delta airport. Walk us through that. Please. Well, Class Delta, and I think I've said this in previous episodes before, I feel like Class Deltas are tough if it's just out by itself, if it doesn't have an overlying approach control. Uh, we're, we're fortunate around here. We have um, Class Deltas that have an overlying approach control where you can kind of call up, not really be too specific where you are. They'll identify your radar contact and give you a, a code, and then you proceed on your way. 
and they hand you off to class delta. But if you're going to just a uh, class delta out in the middle of uh, of a field, you know, and, and maybe in the Midwest, and you know you're approaching it, and that your intent is to land there, you have to be pretty specific and pretty sure of where you are when approaching, because you know you have a kind of a, a small window be, that because they're they're looking at you out the window with binoculars. Yeah, they may have a radar feed from from an approach control nearby or something like that. But but if you're coming in VFR, which I'm assuming is what we're talking about, right. you have to be pretty specific up, about where you are, you know, because you can't call them 20 miles away like you can with an approach control. So they a can't class see delta you. They're going to say, "Hey, class yeah. delta does not have radar." Then, or not? No, no. they're not guaranteed to have radar. Well, they almost there's like three in the country that have radar. Mansfield happens to be one of them. I was gonna say because I learned to fly in and out of class Delta out of Mansfield, and I know they had radar there. Right, and that yeah, the, the, Mansfield should really have a Tursa. So like Erie, Erie in Pennsylvania, they they're a class Delta with a Tursa, which is Terminal Radar Service Area, and that's really how class, Mansfield operates. Is like that. Yeah. It's a Class E surface area with a. Terminal radar surface area, Tursa, which is uh, shaded gray on a sectional chart, but uh, Mansfield just looks like Class D when you look at the sectional chart. You don't, you wouldn't know other than us with the, like kind of the home field advantage, the local knowledge they have approach control. Otherwise, you wouldn't know. Or if yeah. you were, you well, know, if you IFR. Look on the, if you look so, on the sectional, they it shows that that they have approach. Oh it? yeah, yeah. Well, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm well, there's a doesn't it? No. There's a no. Approach control frequency published somewhere with that airport, isn't there? Yeah, it's some. Yeah, I know it's either in. The, yeah, it's in the okay. margins on the sectional. But when okay. you look at the sectional, like you're just you know plot your line from airport to airport, and the one of the airports in Mansfield, you're not going to see the approach control because well, they're really the little, a class it's delta. Little, it's in the little box, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the little yeah the box so and the margins to, on the sectional yeah. whatever those so are called. So for but, these few airports that are class delta that do have the approach control, and you say you weren't paying attention that closely, which you should always pay really close attention when you're pre-flight planning and know all aspects of flight, which is one of the FARs uh, that we'll probably cover. Yeah, you can go right in. You don't have to talk to them. You have to talk to the approach control. You can just call the tower right away. Go straight to tower. Okay, but this is a perfect example is as to why talking to the approach control makes it easy because they hand you off to tower. At, That's exactly Mansfield, the point I'm trying to make. At Mansfield, do you have to talk to approach, or could you just ignore them? And no, call tower. You could completely ignore it. Okay, it's really there for IFR. Yeah, basically, you can go now. Why, why right do they have there. that? Why do they have that there? Is it just because it's a C1 the approach control? Bay? Yeah. Well, in, in most military bases, if they're based at a class Delta airport, they yeah. typically will be a, would you know have a Tursa terminal radar yeah. service area. And, it's not you know, like Youngs, it's a busy Youngstown, Erie. Yeah. What's that? It's, it's not a busy airport, other than no the military operations I, out of there. I don't well, know why it's not just Tursa. That would make everybody's life yeah. easier, but it would also probably freak more people out because then they see all these big circles around the airport like a Class C has. They're just different yeah. color and they don't know anything about it, so it's like freaks people out. Yeah. But yeah. Class Delta, you have to be a little bit more on it because you can't just call 20 miles out because they're going to say, hey, call me You know, when you're seven miles out. Yeah. So, you know, so now you have to be, you're more responsible as to where you are. 
from the airport when you're calling them because you don't want to call them at four miles because then you're inside the airspace and you screwed up even if you are inside the airspace they still don't have radar so you're still no but they typically can visually identify you yeah but you're still more responsible i guess for oh you're very yeah much more responsible Oh yeah, you're much more responsible. And you know, like think if you uh you know you you call up um <clears throat> in a uh, uh an airplane like a an Aranka Cub or an Aranka Chief or Aranka Cub, or huh? Cub. Well, yeah, that was <laughs> wow. And it's struck by lightning. But uh, you you have some of these airplanes that don't have a radio. Right. Yeah. You're going in, you call now of course you call ahead. Well, tell them you have to have a radio to go into class. No, you don't. No, in a class D. Yeah. No. Well, how do you main? How do you establish two-way radio communications? If you don't have a radio. So you got well. Read what the thing says here. Unless otherwise authorized by ATC, an operable radio, two-way radio. So you can like call on the phone ahead and tell them you're coming in. Yeah. Give them an estimated okay. time of arrival, and then yeah. you know, so you'll be around in there, and they'll yeah. hopefully be looking for you like they're supposed to, and you're gonna have to yeah. remain outside the airspace. Uh, and kind of just circle, orbit, do S turns, whatever the case may be, and wait for light gun signals. I know somebody that used to fly into Mansfield with a Cub, but they had a handheld radio they'd use. So to, to recap, that a lot easier. To recap, yeah. um, when you're coming into the ninety some percent of Class Delta airports uh, that do not have a approach control, wh- what is the distance out you should be calling? Probably want to be about five, uh, seven miles out. Okay. Six, seven miles out. So it's a very narrow window. If you wait until you're at six, man, there's somebody else on the frequency, whatever. They're talking to somebody else, giving somebody else a clearance, an IFR clearance, things that can gum you up. So you're going to have to so, do a turn and stay ar- away from it or something. So if you call a class Delta airport that doesn't have radar at 20 miles out, what are they going to say to you? They're going to tell you, hey, call us when you're six, seven miles out. Okay. I have heard that. Remember, they are yeah. identifying you visually. Because I used to always call Mansfield at 20, but they have radar, so it's different. They have radar, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And that's and why so it call, takes a lot off of you. I would call Burke Lakefront in Cleveland at 20, but I wasn't calling Burke. I was calling Cleveland Approach and talking exactly. to Cleveland Approach, and then they exactly. would hand me off. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And that makes sense because I'd, I'd call Burke pretty far out and I wasn't talking yeah. to Cleveland approach and they'd always say report report seven miles out, report six miles out. Um when I was going along the yeah, shore. Yeah, I always went to I always called approach first just because I thought it was easier, but And you should. why wouldn't you? Make, I mean, it makes isn't, isn't it like easier? So much easier. Like, yeah, then you don't have to worry that you know you you already established with air traffic control, so yeah. Now, assuming you that know. they will hand you off, which of course doesn't always well, happen. Well, they always did. I never, I never had an issue with that. But in that instance, did. yeah, in that instance, they probably almost always would. But you yeah. know, you go from, um, you know, maybe Columbus approach, and you're going to one of the satellite airports down there. They may, you know, Cessna so and so. Radar service terminated. Squawk one two zero zero. Frequency change approved. Suggest contacting whatever on what or you know whatever tower or uh facility on whatever the next frequency is and that may only give you a few miles 
to get right. that frequency yeah, gotta, in, figure out what's going on. Figure out what's going on. Yeah. 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 You got to figure out how far you are out so you can give them really good, a good check on so they know where to look for you and now, all that could stuff. You, could you request that they stay on with you until they hand you off? Uh, I mean, you could, but chances are it's not going to work. They're probably going to say I'm unable due to workload or something. Yeah. yeah. Or just ignore you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can they just ignore you? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, once they've already said that, I mean, they can make it once if you've already received those kind of instructions, they can probably just act like they're super busy. Yeah, they do that a lot when they don't want to deal with someone. I flew over Lake Michigan once coming back from Wisconsin. My geography, right? Does that sound right? That's the lake. Yeah. Yeah. Lake Michigan. Yeah. 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 It goes over from from like Wisconsin to Michigan to Michigan. Yeah. Lake Michigan. Okay. Yeah. So it's about 60, 70 miles across probably. It's flying east. I forget who I called and they seem very responsive to everybody calling them up, but they were pretty busy. And I, I called them as a one fifty, wanting flight following. It was like the only time I ever tried to get flight following, not in training. And, uh, cause it was like, Oh, I'm going over the lake. Kind of spooky. Um, I'll get flight following. Because I normally was, weather was preventing me from going south around the lake. So I like kind of had to cut across and just completely ignored me as soon as they found out I was a 150. Um, trying to get flight following across the lake. Just no more, no more response to my tail number. They acknowledged, wow. like I, I called up and I, like they called Who are you talking back. to? Probably Chicago, I guess, maybe. I, I don't know. So. It might have been Chicago. Something yeah, probably Chicago there. Center would be my guess. They probably yeah, didn't probably. Have time to deal with How you. high were you? Uh, I was probably I was cl- ninety five. Climbing no. higher. No, you would have been ninety. Ran yeah. out of gas. Yeah, take, I got over the lake. Yeah, it takes forever to get up there in a one fifty. Lee, I took nobody our cub up to fifty five. Yeah, nobody has time to go to ninety five hundred. Over for sixty miles, thirty miles to turn around and glide. I think I. I think I brought it up to like seven, maybe. You think you could glide seventy-five? If you were heading east, seventy-five hundred. Yeah, I, yeah. Unless you were breaking the I law. I hit the number on the head. I bet. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I called the tail number. They're like, oh, you know, Cessna two zero seven, go ahead. And I'm like, oh, looking for flight following across uh, Lake Michigan. You know, get a squat code, and they're like, nothing after that. Just, I called like three times, and just. Acted like I heard him answering other people on the frequency. Maybe you just weren't transmitting. Maybe no, they were probably just ignoring you. No, they were totally ignoring me. We might have been in the in the bathroom, as you'd mentioned in one of the previous episodes. Right? Yeah, that's very possible. (laughs) I can't believe that, man. So I I can't believe they just dissed you for they, they dissed me. That's the one the one time. I tried to get flight following. I tried to use the system that had been taught to me so many times <laughs> as such a great pilot resource. And it just, That's what they say. just stiffed me. Well, they may, may, may have been workload related, yeah, yeah, man. That 150 was one were, too many. They were busy, so... They could they could have just well, they, they could have just said oh yeah squawk this you know keep doing what you're doing it would have just made me feel better but no they they just ignored right. me so anyway uh, departures from uh, 
Part A is a primary or satellite airport with an operating control tower. Two-way radio communications must be established and maintained with the control tower and thereafter as instructed by ATC while operating in Class Delta airspace. So Class Ds could, in theory... Yeah, I guess they could still have airports inside that aren't the primary one, even though they're so small. It just seems like they're so small that that hardly ever happened. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they they put this kind of disclaimer on all of these major airspaces. You know, contact them as soon as practical after takeoff and all that stuff. Yeah, and they say a primary or satellite airport with an operating control tower. Like, there's going to be a satellite airport within a class delta that has its own control tower. No, 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 no. It'd be yeah. There, so uh, I'm not following along that well, but um. I'm in part four, departure. If you're following at home, we're in the AIM, the AIM, Scott's Book of Suggestions, part 3-2-5, Class D airspace, and I am in part four of that section. Departures? Departures from part A, out of A and B. A primary satellite airport with an operating control tower. Well, there wouldn't be a satellite airport with a control tower in a class delta would there that's what, I've that's never what they're making of. it sound like well i guess maybe there could be overlapping class delta is that something there can be overlapping class deltas that's for sure okay so one but, wouldn't i guess one would be considered a satellite then well yeah you're yeah you're taking off from the the airport you're operating out of with the tower would be in this in your primary right you yeah that, I mean? It'd that, be that your always primary. that always be your primary yeah exactly so but it departures from a primary so, you know, using the term satellite, it just kind of doesn't really make any sense. They should consult us when they write this stuff. Well, they always have this type of thing. If you go back to, you know, the class Charlie and class Bravo that we've covered, you know, there's always a section like this where you're, if you're taking off from an airport that is really within the confines of the airspace it's not the primary port of the airspace. And so that's kind of what they're doing here. But they've really taken it off the rails here by saying the primary or satellite airport with an operating control tower. That I don't know if that's a typo when we're the first ones to see it. Of course, this is the 2020 edition and we're only in March. So, well, I'm, yeah, I'm reading it off I'm of, the, I'm reading it off of the app. That's whatever, Me too, which is a 2020. Is. Yeah. It's the freshest one they have. Right. I, I, they probably haven't changed this in 20 years or something, but yeah, it is it is odd because there are airspaces that are like conjoined where there would be two class yeah, I deltas. I, I think I've seen that before. I can't think of where, what, but I know I've looked well, at a section and seen them overlap. Oh yeah, it's common with uh, class Bravo, yeah. class Charlie, yeah. class Delta. It's not that uncommon, but the way they're calling it a primary in satellite just kind of doesn't really make sense in this situation. To me, yeah. primary to you is the one you're using. They should consult us. Um, rate and review in iTunes. Help us grow the show. Get the show big enough to the point where they have to talk to us whenever they do this kind of stuff. I think stuff they like should allow us happen. To, I think they should That's allow right. us to That's edit right. the far aim. We, we do have a show right. about the three of us. It, so we right. are kind of the I authority like on it now. We should be able to critique and edit 
the next far aim. I know this is this is our thirteenth episode, and we've done at least yeah. one semi sober. So I don't know how much more right. authoritative you can yeah, get that, on the subject. That one that that one that was kind of boring. We didn't <laughs> even really drink anything in. So. You know. Part B, a satellite airport within an operating control tower, two-way radio communication. Without. Oh, no. Sa- okay. Oh, that's even... It's even worse. Oh, they're wow. making a second... The plot thickens. Yeah, they're making a second one now to explicitly state a different rule when it doesn't... When the satellite airport they're talking about doesn't have a control tower. That means they're doubled down on this nonsense. Oh, yeah. They are committed. Yeah. But this one actually makes sense. A doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because the way they're talking about primary versus satellite. I can understand you're a satellite airport of a class Delta that doesn't have an operating Yeah, the satellite tower. airport. That not, makes sense. Yeah, to me. it's an airport that's small that happens to be inside a class D. That makes total sense. Yeah. Okay. Part B, a satellite airport without an operating control tower. Two-way radio communications must be established. Oh, I got it. I know why. You figured it out? Temporary control towers. Mm. Those little ones, they basically build up scaffolding. Oh, yeah. Where do oh, those exist? Were, build up I, scaffolding. Oh, yeah. Well, so, what, uh, I can't remember where I was. It was just the other day. It was. It's typically a Class G airport, you know, Class E, to, you know, starting at 700 feet AGL, above ground level for people who don't know. And they had basically a nice trailer not even it's not even a trailer. It was still on wheels. You can go see the wheels. It wasn't an RV. It was very specific made things, and maybe it's a you know FAA thing that they, that's common. But they just drug it out kind of near the airport, and it's you know, or near the runway, kind of kind of centralized. They don't normally have a tower, but they had a control tower this day. For, was there like a fly-in or something going on? No. It was just busy, so I don't know if it was seasonal. I don't know anything, and that's why you check your notums. Let that be a lesson to everybody. Check your notums. Notices to airmen. They'll tell you about goofy stuff happening at the airport. So the, but you're trying to say that it's, it's a possible. I know you don't know for sure, but you're saying you're suggesting it might be a possibility that they will add a temporary tower. A temporary. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they do it all the time. They do it all the time at airports uh, for fly-ins. Um, I mean, I can't really think of too many so, other so reasons. Planes, they'll change an uncontrolled airfield to class Delta? Correct. By Nodem. Like for, for a fly-in or... For fly-in, and I imagine seasonally speaking, or like, yeah. let's say, um, let's say, uh, you know, down here in South Florida, this is probably very easy to do. You have uh, the president's in town, or not, okay, let's say this. The president's in town, and um, uh, like Stewart, you know, is a is a satellite airport of West Palm or Palm Beach, and they're getting a runway repaved. Well, so that means all like the shed service over to, you know, what's another one? Uh, what's that? What's that other one over there, Rob? Uh, to the west a little bit. We did some tra- North uh, training. North County. No F. Foxtrot 45 off of Beeline Highway. No, it's just northwest of PBI. No, the one you always talk about. I always talk about. Lantana. Oh, th- that's just south something. of PBI. That's a nightmare. I was going to bring that up. If any okay. if any okay, place well, needs a temporary tower, it's Lantana. They need to 
permanent tower. I have no idea how that's well, uncontrolled. That's, that's what I'm saying. I didn't. I couldn't remember quite exactly where it was in relationship to, to yeah. PBI. Why? Because it's so busy. It's insane. Well, well, think how be, busy yeah. it would be if the president's in town and oh, one and of they the have other that airport, airport shut down. Yeah, it's going to be insane. Yeah. Yeah. If you just repave one runway, yet yeah, the airport may still be usable in the broad spectrum sense, but that long they what if they've closed down the long runway for and so now all of a sudden all the gulf streams and everything citations and and everything else needs to go to lantana is not a good example because that gets shut down anyway it's not big enough for jets but i know what you're saying though it'd be like it'd be probably north county airport they're just they're out they're within the 30 mile tfr presidential ring but not within that inner 10 nautical mile ring the inner ring i can get jets in and out of it and they get Basically, as long as you're not doing touch and goes, you, go. you can get a clearance to go kind of straight in and out just to that in most cases. Well, there you go. That's a perfect yeah, example. But- so you got a bus- busy airport and one of the satellite airports, which would be the, you know, kind of the shed service airport. They're getting some some work done and, and a runway, the runway that a bigger airplane would need gets closed down for maintenance or whatever the case may be it makes it very easy to justify putting up a temporary tower at, you know, another airport. I'm sure you guys don't know this. What, what justifies whether a place has the, is the resources are sent to an airport to, to have a control tower, like FAA have like a department. Is there some sort of model they use for? Yeah, there's a tier system. It's like, um, I imagine it's the, the, traffic records out of that airport in planements is typically in planements is what dictates all of the funding and define emplanements uh it is the number of passengers embarking and disembarking at that so not necessarily the number of aircraft but the number of passengers no yes okay and that's why you'll see go ahead so if you have a few larger planes like let's say I don't know, like a like a remote city in Alaska that doesn't have a lot of traffic, but they have some larger planes that come in and out for like uh, up in Barrow, Alaska, where they have a you know a seven thirty seven that flies in a couple times a day or whatever. You just be, you know it, be, it might be full of people, but they don't have a lot of other traffic coming in and out that could be considered class D then, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, as I mean, it, well, an, airport has a, an airport that has a whole bunch of Cessnas, you know, flying in and out might not be then. Yeah. So, like, correct totally. me if I'm wrong. I haven't flown in another in years. But back in the day, Burke Lakefront, I always went in and out of there. I hate to use this. We bring this up every episode, I feel like. But I feel like you could make that a unicom, like uncontrolled field, and it'd probably be all right. Like, there's... Oh, these days you definitely could. There's hardly anything going in and out of there. It seems like there's like. not that much going on at Burke, and they have a control tower. But they do have some commercial passenger flights. Unless they do, they yeah, uh, ultimate air shuttle. Yeah, they go to they, what do they connect Cincinnati and uh, I don't know. They they have Atlantic cities. City, Cincinnati, Charlotte. Yeah, um, uh, they have several destinations. What? I, I can't remember what aircraft they use, but Dornier's. Yeah, they're a 121 operation. No, one a commuter 135, I believe. The commuter one. Okay. Yeah. Do you, so, do you know that so well enough scheduled. to do like a, What's that? Yeah. You know, do you know that well enough to do like a three minute 
summary on a, the difference between like a 135 and a, a 121 oh yeah like right now yeah was, yeah i mean so you can do you know 121 is exclusively scheduled 130 part 135 is typically air taxi so on demand somebody calls you says hey i want to go at this time where airline they tell you when so like a charter gonna go then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's air taxis, charter, whatever. I mean, everybody yeah. calls a charter. I don't really know why, how it's turned into that, but that's what it is. But then you can go into another subsection, which is uh, commuter uh, 135, which is on demand or which is uh, scheduled. And, you know, there's a lot of carriers doing that now. And, and that a lot of that falls under uh, what's called a central air service. So it's kind of government uh, subsidized routes, uh, underserved routes. Um, you know, and there's a company, Air Choice One, that does a lot of that with caravans. Uh, and I believe uh, uh, com- uh, the company we were just talking about, Ultimate Air Shuttle, they're not uh, Central Air Service because they're not going any of these underserved routes. I mean, hell, Atlantic City is a Spirit Airlines domicile. You know what I mean? It's not exactly underserved, but yeah. they, um, they, I, I believe they're commuter 135. I doubt they're operating under 121 because just the the amount of paperwork required and all of the other programs, tracking programs for your everything. I mean, 121, you got to think you're the general public. You know what I mean? It, it's it's anybody can buy a ticket, all that good stuff. So, so in general, the 121 is bigger airlines, and the 135 is typically the smaller airlines. Was that a fair? For the most part, you know, you could probably get into little stipulations, you know, Alaska and the Caribbean, stuff like that. You can get 121 and they're all puddle jumpers, most people would call them, but you're talking 30 passenger, you know, Saab, uh, 340 turboprops where, you know, the vast majority of 121 carriers in the United States are, you know, Jets, American, United, Southwest, Spirit, all those are 121 carriers. But So would it be fair to say if you have one... If you could go online like a month in advance and pick a flight time and see if there's a seat available and book it, that's probably 121. Yep, that's probably a fair assessment. So, and then if it's 135, it's more or less like, hey, can you what more or less call them up and try to work something out? Yeah, I want to go from something, point A something. to point B at this time. What will it cost me? Yeah, that's right. that's but you know, but, I mean, the point was the commuter, the uh. 135 commuter it pretty much functions just like 121 does but there are stipulations as to how many times a week they can do a route it's okay. weird but it 130 commuter 135 or scheduled 135 pretty much works like 121 got it I just you brought that up but most people don't know what that is um the difference between them even like private pilots i feel like from conversations I've had. Well, I probably didn't do a good job, you know, but well, that was yeah, a good job. That was better than my partial pressure explanation last episode. I thought that uh, was stellar myself. <laughs> I reread it and I'm like, oh yeah, I see what he was saying. Uh, I didn't uh, at the time. Yeah. Uh, part five, aircraft speed, unless otherwise authorized or required by ATC, no person may operate an aircraft at or below 2,500 feet above the surface within four nautical miles of the primary airport of a Class D airspace area at an indicated airspeed of more than 200 knots, which 2,500 feet, uh, four nautical miles, that's usually, again, individually tailored. Um, 
but that's typically unless it's individually tailored oddly that's typically just the dimensions of the class delta that's yeah, a standard um, gotta, class delta yeah that's yep. the standard class delta so you sometimes have to, they're what are they sometimes they're a little different shape to make room for another airport just, or an approach or something yeah um see so scott's you got to pull the throttle back when you run the 150 oh, yeah. uh, same as Rock, same yeah. as with yeah. the class c that's the biggest thing i forget every time it's going into control <laughs> airspace to pull that power back 150 and gets out of control your, on you watch your speed you know it's something you got to keep an eye on when you're going into controlled yeah. fields you when, guys joke but there's people out there that have to think about that oh, okay you know anybody like I did today. I went from a class delta to another class delta today. Yeah. You have and to watch I had to do speed. 200 and not yeah. do 250. So, Most of us aren't running around on rockets, though, Lee. Yeah. There's, a, there's probably people listening that are. Well, I'm just saying. And when you get into a jet, pretty much some of the first things you're thinking about is pulling the power back so you don't break the speed limits. Which would be annoying. It's why yeah, I like think about speed limits in the sky. It's one of the main reasons right. I like flying is the lack of speed limits. And then they add them in here, which makes sense because you get airplanes slow to the ground, all going into the same spot. So I understand why they do it, but it's still yeah. frustrating. Well, just um, so you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little bit of a rebel. I did 227. Oh boy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, that was ground speed probably. No, you're, it, this right. is, yeah, and this is all. This speed, is all airspeed. Right. This is all right. airspeed. Right. Yeah. Whether it's speed for sure. Um, I'm calling the cops. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, class D airspace areas are depicted on sectional and terminal charts with blue segmented lines and an IFR in route lows with boxed D. IFR in route lows with a boxed D. Okay, mm-hmm. it's kind of that's weird wording. In route low altitude. Yeah, so that's a IFR low altitude. Okay, they just I've never seen it written IFR in route lows. Yeah, it, they do seem to have. Uh, is that a typo? Uh, well, I'm not looking at what you're looking at, but um, what is this section? Uh, aircraft speed part C. Five C. I think. It, I think it does have a D inside of a box, doesn't it? I know, but IFR in route Which aspect lows. is... Yeah, low low altitude. Yeah, IFR in route, low altitude. Okay. So it's kind of weird that... Yeah, I guess, I guess it is a little kind of, you know... Every other section we've, we've done an episode on leading up to this in the same book, same section, uh, said IFR in route, low altitude chart. This said IFR in route, lows... Huh, somebody somebody was trying to be cute. Yeah, should have consulted us. That's, yeah, man, we're just uncovering all kinds of... Class D, or class D, D, surface area arrival extensions. Uh, class D, surface area mm-hmm. arrival extensions for instrument approach procedures may be class D or class E airspace. As a general rule, if all extensions are two miles or less, they remain part of the class D surface area. However, if any one extension is greater than two miles, then all extensions will be Class E airspace. Interesting. What? I've never seen any that are just um, um, that are just Class Class D. I've always seen them revert to you know Class E extensions. 
you know, if you think about it, so if a typical class D surface area from the center of the runway complex out four nautical miles, which is roughly five statute miles, which oddly enough is exactly the same uh, radius as what a terminal aerodrome forecast is, if we want to think about that. But if you go from the center of the runway complex out four nautical miles, typically the final approach fix on an instrument approach is at about five miles. Four to seven miles, I believe, is what the uh, TERPS uh, terminal procedures criteria is. So you're, we're just right on that. So I find it highly unlikely that any typical Class D now, they're saying that you can extend it up to two miles and it would still be contained within the class D. But that is just that's that means your final your your uh, approach segment that, that matters. So that your intermediate and your final approach segment are only six miles. That's short. It's a small, that's a small you know what I mean? approach. Yeah, very, very short. And I'm not saying they don't exist. You know, I would like to I would love to see or hear about some firsthand that exist out there. But um yeah, I mean, you got, I mean, typically you're talking 12, 10, 12 miles, you know what I mean? From the time you hit like a initial fix, intermediate fix, or, you know, whatever, intermediate a segment to your final approach fix and all the waypoints in between. Yeah, I mean, you're to six miles. I mean, that's, that's short. So, and, and that kind of lines up with the things I've seen, which I've always seen um, class E transitioning to the class D. Have you got? I mean, I'm not. Sh- have you guys seen anything? I'm other not than sure that? exactly what that all is explaining. Um, so, so, like, it's not a perfect circle. The class delta is typically a circle. Are they talking about adding yes. extensions off? Yeah, so it would look like kind of like a keyhole. That's okay. kind of what it would look like. Let's, let's, you know what I'm saying? So, like, let's say you had an ILS coming into one runway, but no approach to the other end of that. You had uh, in the class delta, there's only one runway. So, like, let's say it's a uh, one eight and three six. So it's a north south runway. That's the only runway they have. They happen to only have an, an approach to one runway. So let's say you're landing north. That's the only approach you have. It would there would be a cutout or an additional like kind of extension on the bottom side, the south side of the, uh, of the class Delta surface area. And it would kind of ha- and it kind of flares out like a trapezoid a little bit because, you know, the, again, the terminal procedures criteria, I think b- makes it kind of splay out a little bit, like two and a half degrees. So as you go fur- fur- further and further from the center of the airport, that's going to get wider and wider because it's a degree, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it ends up looking kind of like an old skeleton, key hmm. hole okay if that makes sense and those can only go two miles out is the way it's well if they're going to be if they're going to be contained within the class delta they can only if, if they're if they go two miles or less from the runway center line mm-hmm. or from the okay from beyond the four miles so the four miles is the default if they go another two miles or less they would be contained within that okay if that makes any sense but if they go beyond six miles then they're going to refer to a class E. So it's controlled airspace and has the same cloud clearance and visibility requirements. Remember, they're just trying to create protection yeah. for the IFR aircraft shooting the approach and protection for the uh, J3 Cub flying through that airspace. Gotcha. It's all about the, you know, the protection, you know, gotta love that protection. 
Yeah, you got to weather protection. Um, part two, surface area arrival extensions are effective during the published times of the surface area for part-time Class D surface areas that revert to Class E airspace. The arrival extensions will remain in effect as Class E airspace for part-time Class D surface areas that change to Class G airspace. The arrival extensions will become Class G at the same time. So that rare thing that we spoke about earlier in the episode, um, where it might be for some reason they just skip the E and it goes back to Class G, um, all those extensions basically would change with it, is how I read that. Does that make yeah. sense? That's how, yeah. how I, I'm seeing it. Probably not like a common thing you really got to worry about too much, right? I I agree with Lee's earlier assessment that typically if it's busy enough to have a control tower, just because it goes dark at night, the control tower turns off as you as you put it earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would just revert to G then, the least restrictive. And that wasn't that wasn't my point. That's the opposite. No, of I thought point. he said it would revert to E. I right. don't know any that revert to G, but I'm not. I don't. It hasn't ma- in my operation there. It hasn't mattered. So I and it's not like I'm getting out the airport facility directory to find out exactly what it's reverted to. But the ones that I know of revert to class E at night. Yeah. Or when the towers close, I should say, not necessarily at night, but whenever the Which tower would make closes. more sense for most of them, I think. But yeah, I, I'm sure they exist. I mean, I'm in. Remember, this is also talking about temporary towers. This is covering the gamut of all the different weird things that we have going on. Yes. All right. Uh, in class, the, the last part of this is uh, E, separation for VFR aircraft. No separation services are provided to VFR aircraft because they have no radar, typically. Yep. So it's, they can't really separate if they can't verify where you are. They can't use binoculars to basically separate aircraft. What about where they, the the few that do does have radar? Will they provide separation service or no? Uh, for uh, that's a good question, and I don't have the answer. Like back to, that. to Mansfield because yeah, yeah. they'll sep- now remember they'll separate IFR. They all always separate IFR. Well, I remember one time I was flying with you, Lee, and we requested you requested. I don't remember flight, that. We were going to to uh, Tiffin, and it was okay. just for. We didn't obviously we didn't need flight following, but it was for instructional purposes. You requested flight following out of Mansfield. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we were too far away to reach them, but let's say they they did answer us and give us flight following. Is that does that include separation service or no? Uh that. No, I mean I don't I don't really think that counts as separation service. There's somebody out there right now being like, dude, you're stupid. Um, but I don't. That happens to us every episode. So, well, I suppose that's true. Well, I try. I, I mean, I try to be the expert, but I mean, some some people probably just some people listen just because it makes them so angry they want to hear what we're going to say next. But yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. And they will always have the listeners will probably be that. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't I don't think that counts as separation services. I mean, they were going to point out traffic, and they can advise you of. Hey, you know, so and Cessna, so and so, you have traffic, you know, three o'clock, you know, two thousand five hundred, and you know, traffic or uh, um, what do they say? I've only heard it a few times. I'm say this 
targets seem likely to merge is the phrase they'll use. And they will then advise a suggested, they can't tell you what to do. Because this is kind of the context you brought up, Scott, was more of a uh, flight following. So you're outside of their actual airspace. They can advise you, suggest this heading or suggest climb to this altitude or suggest descend to this altitude. They can't tell you what to do. You're not in their airspace. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So, so in this they term, might, here, they might advise you if they see something. They will advise you maybe what to do and suggest a heading change or an altitude change, but they can't tell you or make you do anything. But here, yeah. this is talking specifically in their jurisdiction, you know, inside their airspace where they can tell you what to do. Um, it, it, these airspaces are designed to, to take care of IFR traffic. Yeah. So, how, what, so this, not, what this... Go ahead. They're not going to separate VFR aircraft. I mean, uh, unless they see an issue then you know i guess that's the way i would take it um yeah. you know they're always like, don't don't count on it but if they if they can help you they will yeah I but i guess i just don't really know the delineation between that and what flight following would sound like or how that would act yeah i've never had the situation arise in a class delta remember in in class delta you're talking four nautical miles you know yeah. what i mean Four nautical miles wide. It's not very well. Four very four nautical miles radius, eight nautical miles wide. But that's, there's not much that there's not much like square footage there to really work with. I mean, what are they? How many airplanes are there in there? They're going to sequence you to land. You know what I mean? They're definitely going to do that. Yeah, well, but as yeah, far they have as to. yeah, well, right. That's that's kind of their job. So I how this how this lines up with actual separation of aircraft. I'm not entirely sure how that all works. There was somebody saying this dude is retarded, but I just, it's been so long since I've flown VFR in a class Delta airport. And I mean, it was, I've done it enough that I kind of, I mean, I know pretty good what goes on <coughs> Corona, but the, uh, it hasn't been away from us. Well, yeah, it's, I've done enough that I have a good understanding of how it all works. I have not had any traffic conflicts to know, to like really find out what the extent of the, what this actually means when it says separation of VFR aircraft, there's no separation services are provided to VFR aircraft. What does that actually mean? Yeah. I, I'm not sure with that. That's why I brought it up. I guess it means, I yeah, guess well, it means treat it like it's uh, class E look out the window, <laughs> you know, yeah, do what ATC tells you. I mean, yeah, I guess if the three you, but of you us, gotta look out for traffic for yourself, right? Well, I mean, you're always the final authority, right? I mean, on traffic yeah. avoidance, the three of us have done a lot of flying class Delta airspace. We, the three of us, don't know exactly what that means. Yeah, I just assume it's. I've always in the past have assumed if you're class D, unless you're inside that little area. You're just kind of on your own, but maybe that's but the, no. That's what we're, that's what I'm just, that's what I'm talking about. Right mentality to have. I don't know. Well, yeah, hold on know. a second. So hold on. So this is what are you are you saying that are you saying that we're talking about the arrival extension area? 
Rob, is that what you're seeing? No, the, in E, it says separation for VFR aircraft. No separation yeah. services are provided to VFR aircraft. Yeah, if you're within the Class D at all. Okay. If you're within that Class D surface area, there's no separation services provided to Class or VFR aircraft. Okay. Is that what you're describing? Is that what you're saying? Basically, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're all on the same page. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm trying to think of a good story I had on the uh, on the class Delta, uh, but I've had the towers closed a lot. I don't think but I've the, you know. I don't think I've ever gone into a controlled field when the tower's not running. I can't. I can't recall ever doing that. Well, I did it. I the only time I've ever done it is at the airlines, and it's weird. You know, you're going in late at night. You know, midnight or so, eleven thirty midnight, and you're making. Unicom calls. You know, I remember we used to go into Savannah all the time. And you're ta- you're calling on the tower. So that's the one thing about Class Delta airports. When the tower closes, you're going to transmit on the tower frequency. It's ju- it just reverts to CTAF or Common Traffic Advisory Frequency. So you're coming in there and, you know, we're in an airliner, you know, and we're making radio calls on what would have been tower during the day. So it wouldn't, you would, it would have been, wouldn't have been a big deal. You're, you're controlled. You're in a controlled, controlled airspace, but now it's late and you're making radio calls, you know, Savannah traffic, (laughs) you know, and you get in this airliner, you're downwind base final. It's very odd. Yeah. What were you looking up? Savannah is class Delta, but it's class. It's uncontrolled at night. Uh, you know, I better look that up and make sure that I'm not misspeaking. But yeah, I'm pretty sure Savannah is one of the ones. I specifically remember several instances. I was just looking up. I've flown in and out of in and out of. Uh, oh no, Savannah's shown to Class Charlie. Was, that's what so I must I heard a different report. Savannah just sounds like a bigger city to me. I just. Well, clearly it is, man. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I could have swore Savannah was one of them. I'm going to have to look it up in the airport facility directory. I'm going to go that far because I was almost sure that Savannah was one. I'm on AirNav trying to figure out if Hollywood um, Airport, the North Perry Airport, not the main Fort Lauderdale Airport, because I used to fly in and out there a lot. It's kind of where I learned how to fly like towers and got comfortable with it. And I I can't tell if it's a D or a C, Charlie or a Delta, because it feels like they were pretty good. Where are they at? What's the what's the, what's uh, the airport? It's identifier as K K H W O. And Hollywood is south. It's, it's right? south at, near it's south Lauderdale? of uh, FLL, the main Fort Lauderdale. It's towered, and it feels like they gave us. I don't know if they were officially giving us separation, but it seems like they knew kind of if we were. Seemed like they had some decent info on. Is that Opelika? No, is it? no, that's. It's crazy town. For, so I see Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood. K-H-W-O. It's got to be a Delta, I think. K-H-W-O. Yeah. It's just southwest of Lauderdale. It says North Perry. H-W-O. You're looking on the sectional, and you see the runways of Lauderdale, FLL. Just go kind of southwest. You'll see North Perry written in writing on the sectional. Oh, Oh, it's that looks blue. like it a, looks like that's a, a class D. Yeah, it's yeah. A, now that I see the feet. now that I see the sectional, it's definitely a D. 
Um, but yeah, it seems like they knew that seems like that tower knew it was going on. Yeah. I'm sh- Oh yeah. They're underlying the Bravo. They're, they're getting a feed from the Miami Bravo. Oh, is that's what, that's what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Just well, and lakefront's getting the same thing. Lakefront's getting a feed from class Bravo from the Cleveland. Class gotcha. Bravo. So they can pull when it's, when there's an overlying big airspace like that, they can pull a lot of that those resources oh yeah okay yeah yeah when you're having that volume of uh transitioning traffic and the handoffs i don't know how you could efficiently do it without having that radar feed and that that, yeah that makes sense because i was was thinking it's like what do you mean by getting a feed you mean they're they're handing them they have a screen yeah they have a screen that will show them radar radar targets radar traffic okay and if they can't do anything with it, they can't control you, you know, or, you know, give you separation services uh, using that. You know, again, they're, they're binoculars looking out the window. Um, but other than that, uh, they, they can use it for kind of situational, excuse me, situational. Okay. You know, their situational awareness looking at the overall flow of traffic and, and seeing who is coming for lack of a better term. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah and this one, I can see this one here. I hardly, I couldn't even tell. It's just kind of buried in there the way what I'm looking at in fourth flight here. Yeah. yeah. It's Southeast Florida. It's a zoo of airspace down here. Yeah. So it looks like like that. Um, wow. There's a, it looks to me like there's a 25, 2,500 or a 500 foot gap. So it looks like the Miami class Bravo starts at 3,000 and the Hollywood or North Perry um, goes up to 2,500. So it looks like there's a 500 foot gap that you could transition that and not be in the North Perry or the Miami. Yeah. And then you see all those towers in the sectional Southeast yeah, of southeast. The, the airport. Yeah. yeah. Imagine towing banners through those to South Beach. Oh, I'd, I'd quit. The highest one's only a <laughs> thousand feet. I mean, is it windy or is it not windy? I guess I need to know. No, it's just you got to pay attention. Oh. Yeah, just. And I never became an experienced banner tower because I only did it for like a month. I wouldn't want to so, do it. No, stay out of there. I did it. And I, I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do it either. I thought you were nuts from the beginning. So, anywho, is that all you guys got? Or yeah, I, I guess yeah. I do. Can't Unless there's anything else you you guys want to talk about, I can't think of anything I'd like to add at the moment. No, it's like we're prof- it's like we're professionals and we're getting right around an hour each time. Right. It's just totally by accident, though. Your skill. <laughs> all right, email f a r a i m at robertberger dot com b e r g e r the German way, not the sandwich way. Uh, F-A-R-A-I-M at LeeGriffing.com, G-R-I-F-F-I-N-G, and then F-A-R-A-I-M at ScottBoris.com, B-O-R-E-S. Um, ratings, whichever app you are listening to us on. Uh, most everyone uses Apple Podcast app. If you have an iPhone, just go in there, hit the little five-star review, leave a little rec- or a review, written review. Uh, to- super appreciate it. Uh, let a friend know uh, who might be interested in the show. And uh, thank you for listening. Until next time. Yeah, thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks.